Navigating the night shift is without doubt one of the most difficult tasks that we as shift workers do. Now, I have good news for you. Instead of making this a three-part series, I realised while I was recording part two that there was just too much in the overnight and also between the nights. So to keep each episode as brief as I can, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to talk about the overnight in part two, and then I'm going to talk about between nights in part three, and then how we go about coming out of night shift in part four. So today, we're all about talking about the best way to navigate overnight of the night shift. Now, pay attention, shift workers, because this is vital, and this is where the biological impact mainly occurs, and today's episode will cover why. Shift work can be brutal, but it doesn't have to be. Welcome to a healthy shift. My name is Roger Sutherland, certified nutritionist, veteran law enforcement officer, and 24-7 shift worker for almost four decades. Through this podcast, I aim to educate shift workers using evidence-based methods to not only survive the rigors of shift work, but thrive. My goal is to empower shift workers to improve their health and well-being so they have more energy to do the things they love. Enjoy today's show. And hello, shift workers. I'm your host, Roger Sutherland, and I am your guide in evidence-based strategies for optimal shift work performance. Now, I'm absolutely thrilled that you're listening to this episode, so welcome aboard. Now, today, I'm going to address how to optimise navigating overnight of the night shift. And today is part two of what is now become a four-part series, and I'm addressing going through the night shift. Now, in episode one, we discuss going into the night shift, how we go about going into it on the day before night shift, and I finished off with that, that we have our final meal, which needs to be a substantial and sustainable meal prior to 2100 hours or 9pm. Why 9pm? What actually occurs from 2100 hours on? Well, it's important that we understand that this is the stage in our circadian rhythm, which is the beginning of the biological night. And what is it that actually is this milestone? Why do we know that? And that is because this is when we have what we're known as DILMO. And DILMO is the dim light melatonin onset. Now, melatonin is actually the hormone that the body secretes. And it actually, it's, what it does is it prepares us for sleep. So therefore, it is deemed to be the beginning of the biological night. Now, this happens depending on what your chronotype is, being whether you are an early riser or whether you're a late riser, this generally happens approximately 9pm at night. Or if you are a night owl or a late chronotype, it will happen a little bit later. But what's the significance of this, this 9pm? Well, at this stage, this is where our systems, our internal systems actually begin to shut down, even though we are awake. So what actually occurs... Remember, in episode one, I spoke about the circadian rhythm. Well, the circadian rhythm actually dictates hormonal releases during the wake cycle and also during the sleep cycle. Now, this rotating 24-hour clock, biological clock, runs regardless. 
And what happens is, whether you're awake or whether you're asleep, internally, it is still running. And because we as shift workers are all over the place, some afternoons, some days, some nights, it does become confused. But whatever happens, overnight, our systems start to shut down. Now, what this means is that our pancreas secretes less insulin. Now, insulin is very important, and I'll go into this in a minute. Our digestive tract actually shuts down, and everything goes into a rest and digest mode. Now, let's talk about insulin, because the pancreas releases insulin. And just to explain to you, when we eat carbohydrates, which is sugar, what actually happens is... That insulin is released by the pancreas, it gets triggered and released by the pancreas and it transports the glucose into the muscle. Now, what actually happens is overnight is we become insulin resistant. So there is less insulin to actually transport the, um, there's actually less insulin to transport uh, the glucose into the muscle. And the muscle is closed when the insulin gets there. So what happens is these carbohydrates and fats actually just get transported around in our bloodstream and end up getting parked as body fat. Now, I'm going to give you an actual example which will really explain this to you and explain it to you really well. Now, you've gone to a concert and you turn out of the concert late at night and we've all done this and thousands of people turn out of the concert. That is the glucose that is running in our system. So any carbohydrates that we eat at all and fats are being released at that stage into our bloodstream. That is the concert goers tipping out of the concert. What happens then is they then go to the bus stops or to the tram stop or the train stop. But because the pancreas secretes less insulin overnight, let's call the insulin the buses that are coming, or the trams, or the trains, and there are less trains and buses to actually transport the the people from the concert to get them to where they want to get to. Now, what actually happens is, when it does stop, people pile on, and it's full, and then it goes to the next stop, but the next stop is actually closed. That's insulin resistant. So what it does is it moves on, and it goes to the next stop. And the next stop is closed because it's shut down and it's insulin resistant as well. Even though there's the bus there, there's less buses. And when it gets to the bus stops, the muscle is actually closed. So what actually happens is that bus ends up back at the depot. The passengers are still on the bus. The driver gets off the bus and says, this is the end of the line. And the passengers are stuck there. And what that means is you end up getting parked as body fat. So the people that are on the buses, and I think that's probably one of the easiest ways that I can actually explain it. So when you're functioning during the day and you are insulin sensitive due to exercise, there's more buses to transport that glucose and the muscle is open and it goes in. So there's more buses, there's more bus stops for the people to get on and off or off the bus. And therefore, by the time it gets parked back at the depot, there's nobody on it. And that is the difference between insulin resistant and insulin sensitive. And this is vital as we go into night shift. It's really important for people to actually understand that. So this is why we do an overnight fast. And I'll say this too, 
This is done to the best of our ability. This doesn't mean you must not eat. I'm talking here about what is actually optimal, what is optimal for your body. You may not be able to do this, and that's absolutely fine. But I'm here to give you evidence-based strategies around what you can do. So while you're pulling up at the 7-Eleven in the middle of the night and slamming down a donut, that's going onto your hips. And that's the bottom line because your body is insulin resistant. There's insufficient uh, insulin to pass around your bloodstream and it ends up getting parked as body uh, body fat. So that's the problem. So not everyone can fast and it's not easy if you're not actually used to it. And it also comes down to how busy your job is. We have people that are out there working that are swinging sledgehammers and busy and working quite hard, digging holes, operating machinery, doing things like that. It doesn't change, but it still means that we need to be very careful about what we're actually eating over the overnight. But without doubt, the absolute last thing that we want to be eating are those highly palatable carbs and fats. And I'm talking lollies, chips, cakes, all that processed stuff that we tend to reach for out of the vending machines, and goddamn Jenny that keeps on bringing in her slice to look after the girls on night shift. Drives you absolutely bananas. All of that stuff is all going to body fat. It doesn't get burnt. It's a problem, all right? So foods such as these just end up parked as body fat. I want you to keep remembering this, all right? So what we need to do We need a strategy as to what we can actually do. What can we eat? I get hungry. What do I do? Well, an ideal food for you to have as a snack, and I'm going to list a number of little snacks for you, is Greek yogurt and a handful of blueberries. That is absolutely ideal. Now, the blueberries, yes, they're a carbohydrate, but they work as a fiber, which helps to keep you feeling full. And also, Berries like that, and also a carbohydrate with a protein, helps to stop the oxidization or slow down the oxidization of the protein overnight, so you stay feeling fuller for longer. Protein shakes, something that slips into your system and slips through your system really easy. A baby bell cheese, veggie sticks and a bit of hummus, turkey roll-ups, get a turkey slices and roll them around a piece of cheese or something like that. Hard-boiled eggs. Heaven forbid whoever's working with you, but hard-boiled eggs. A handful of almonds or a bit of trail mix. I'm not talking a bag full. I'm just talking a small snack for you. And the other thing is air-fried chickpeas. Just discovered these, and they are goddamn freaking delicious, all right? So just Google and search recipes for air-fried chickpeas. If you've got an air fryer, you're going to love it. So what we need is small snacks with high protein to keep us feeling fuller for longer. Another really good idea is to make yourself up a vegetable soup before you start the night shift. And then when it's finished cooking and you've got it right, blitz it. Completely blitz it so that it is a complete puree, and then you can just sip on that overnight. The bonus there, you're going to get all the nutrients from the soup, and you're also going to have something in your stomach that's going to make you feel quite quite satiated, and it's easy to digest. Your body doesn't have to work hard to digest it. Now, I want to be clear. We do not snack on these things all night. It is absolutely optimal for us to fast, but those are what you can have as an emergency snack, and that's the snacks and around the food. And I want to say this to you as well. I know you're going to hate me for this, but ladies and gentlemen, we must cut our caffeine at midnight. 
no caffeine after midnight. And this is really, really important because the latest research around caffeine shows that caffeine impacts on subsequent sleep for up to almost nine hours before sleep. Nine hours. And that the dose that was measured is actually less than what is in your cafe latte that you're having. So what we need to do is we need to cut the caffeine at midnight. But what we do is we go with high hydration. And the reason for this is our digestive tract is already compromised. Let's give it an opportunity to flush it. And the water is what really, really will help with this. So cutting caffeine. And I want to say this as well while I'm talking about caffeine. The less caffeine that you actually have, the less caffeine you actually need, believe it or not. If you are a person that drinks a lot of caffeine, then what you're doing is you are you will be needing it and becoming dependent on it purely because, not because you're addicted to it, but you need it because your body can't cope without it as far as sleep goes. When you understand the, uh, the mechanisms that caffeine operates under, you can tell me that you go to sleep, no problems, but you're not getting the decent restorative sleep that your body needs while you are consuming copious amounts of caffeine. Now, the correct and maximum amount of caffeine that you should actually be having daily is 400 milligrams. Scary, because that's about three cafe lattes. And we all know the majority of us will probably do more than two coffees a day. And if we're on night shift, we would definitely do more. Watch the difference that it makes to your daytime sleep cutting caffeine at midnight. You will find that you won't need the caffeine past midnight. It will make a huge difference. Now, I want to talk about a really important topic here as well when it comes to the overnight fast, and that is for females. Now, females, it is really important that females in particular fast. Why is this? Females already have a compromised digestive tract. Females are not small men. We do not have the same digestive tracts. It's got the same structure, but the difference is it takes food on average 14 hours longer to transit a female digestive tract than it does a male's. Why is this? Because the stomach is less acidic. That's one thing. What that means is it takes longer for the food to break down. And then the stomach actually empties slower than it does on a male. The female actually has a longer colon as well. In fact, it's four to to six inches longer in a female than it actually is on a male, and it empties slower. Now, what I also would like you to have a think about, for males, male sexual uh, reproductive organs are external. Where are female reproductive organs? Internal. Where's the colon located? Internal. And the colon is literally in the occupying exactly the same space as the uterus and the ovaries. So if females are in the luteal phase of their menstrual cycle and you have highly agitated uterus and ovaries because it is getting close to um, that menstruation, why would you want a compromised colon that's full sitting right in that area as well while they're fighting for space and get away from me. You get away from me. You get away. Empty. This is a problem. So that's why females really need to try their best to fast overnight or keep all of their food and snacks to a minimum. 
Now, I get so many females messaging me through my social media or emailing to thank me for that tip alone. It makes such a difference to them and their shift working life. And the way that they come out of night shift, people who fast find that they bounce out of the night shift really, really well. And the reason for this is because you're not bogging your digestive tract down, pardon the pun, but you're not bogging your digestive tract down by overloading it with food that your digestive tract is actually not in the groove of digesting food at that time of the night. And you will feel lighter and you will feel better and you will feel so much better coming out of the night shift and you will bounce out of it quicker. Now, when we talk about fasting, we need to think about fasting. And one of the worst things is when you know you're going into a fast from 9 p.m., the first thing you're going to freak out about is no food. So the first thing that happens is you get hungry. So what about if you structure a few snacks in to your shift? I think that's the best thing that you can possibly do until you actually get used to it. So why would you, at nine o'clock, you need, before nine, you need to have had a substantial carbohydrate, carb, uh, fat, and protein meal so that you are feeling quite full. And then what you would do is maybe one o'clock, you might have yourself a turkey roll-up or a baby bell cheese, or you might have a protein shake or something like that, which will help to tie you over. Then I would have somewhere between three and 4 a.m., I would be having something like a Yopro yogurt and a... Um, a Yopro yogurt and some mixed berries. I would be looking forward to having that at around about 4am. And why is that? Because us shift workers all know that when it gets to 5am, we are ready to eat anything in sight. So what you want to do is stop that happening before it actually occurs and have yourself something like I said, a Yopro yogurt and some berries, because this will make a massive difference to you. That will also tide you over until you actually get home. And once you get home, then you have a small protein and carbohydrate breakfast before you go to sleep. A few eggs on toast. That's all you need. Now, we're not having a big breakfast. We're not having eggs, bacon, avocado, toast, um, tomato, uh, beans, everything that goes with it. Because what you're going to do is you're going to put your digestive tract in strain when you're trying to sleep. And this will impact on your sleep as well. You could literally have something like, for us Australians, you can have yourself even something simple like a uh, cheese and Vegemite toasty. Why not? Because it's got a bit of protein, it's got a bit of carbohydrate. And the reason why we have a protein and carbohydrate meal is it put, goes into our stomach, the protein keeps us feeling fuller, and the carbohydrate actually helps us to go to sleep by um, triggering a tryptophan um, pathway across the top of the brain, which helps us to sleep. So this is, makes it really important. So what we want to do is we want to be making sure that we're having carbohydrate for that, uh, to help us to go to sleep and that we also have protein, which keeps us satiated, feeling fuller while we're sleeping. And you watch what happens to your sleep. Even something like protein and oats is very, very good as well. Protein powder mixed into oats. Now, remember, small meal, really, really important. Okay, now... I started this podcast and my business because I totally understand the 24-7 shift work environment. I know what it feels like to be in it because I've done it for almost four decades. I'm an evidence-based nutritionist, so I can read research and I apply that, what the research tells us, into a legitimate and a workable way to a live 
environment from my own experience. And that is why I went off and did the certification in evidence-based nutrition. I know what it's like to work shift work and I feel you for it. It's difficult. And learning how to apply it from an evidence-based perspective makes such a difference. And I coach shift workers in this one-to-one and I do so with great success. And my motto is, Learn how to thrive and not just survive while working shift work because you will need more energy to do the things that you love outside of your shift working life. Now, that's a wrap for today's episode. I hope you got something out of that. It was big. It's bigger because when I went and did this episode, I'd already recorded this episode with what we should do between nights, and it was far, far too long. It was about 40 minutes, and that's just not what this one's about, all right? So, Remember, fellow shift workers, your health, and in particular, your mental health, is a non-negotiable. It's the foundation that allows you to excel in your career and enjoy life beyond your shift working workplace. And remember, this is about having more energy to do the things that you love outside of shift work. By making these evidence-based steps, you won't just be surviving, you'll be thriving. Now, keep pushing forward and remember, me, Roger, I'm here to support you every step of the way. Stay committed to nourishing your body and prioritizing your well-being. And as always, please remember to be patient and kind to yourself as you navigate the challenges of shift work and prioritize your mental health and well-being. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you get notified whenever a new episode is released. It would also be ever so helpful if you could leave a rating and review on the app you're currently listening on. If you want to know more about me or work with me, you can go to ahealthyshift.com. I'll catch you on the next one.